0: Good morning, Yellen Marsh. Good morning. You know what Sunday is? What? It's the Tonys. Yeah. And it was making me think of our time at the Tonys for Kinky Boots. Yeah. Which was so fun. And do you remember when we were standing in the wings waiting for them to announce the winner of the best musical? Yeah. And Caroline Bowman got so excited that she started to have an anxiety attack and she had to lay down on the ground and she was shaking. But the whole time she had a huge smile on her face.
1: Oh, I forgot that until this moment. (laughs) And we were like,
0: I don't know if I should be worried or if I should be excited for you.
1: (laughs) And then we won. We sure did it.
0: We were going to rush the stage. And those people blocked us from running out there. (laughs) They're like, not today, Kinky Boots folks. Not today. (laughs)
1: forgot. You guys, if you check us out on YouTube and see that performance. You actually, sadly, won't see my precious Joseph in his original track because tell them why.
0: Two days after we opened on Broadway, I broke my foot and I had to have surgery. So by the time we got to the Tonys, Mm -hmm. my foot wasn't completely healed. But Jerry, our director, was amazing because he was like, look, babe, I know what this means. So I'm going to wear your boot. You can stand in the back as a factory worker and I had to watch Robert
1: Pendia do my track on the Tonys. I know. It was such a bummer. At least you were there. But you all, let me tell you this quick story. When Joey broke his ankle, I watched it happen my with foot, my eyeballs. My foot. At his foot. And then I watched it with my eyeballs. And then we had to dance together because we had this little section in the closing part of the show, in the finale. And remember when we were dancing, I kept going, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? (laughs) It was so scary. Anyway, Broadway stories, true crime stories. There's some kind of Venn diagram where they crisscross. Hello, everybody. Broadway, where you sacrifice your toes for (laughs) Cyndi (laughs) Lauper. And welcome to Obsessed with Disappeared, the true crime show where Joey Taranto and I go episode by episode talking about our favorite true crime show, Disappeared. We are here. Hi, honey.
0: Honey, turns out people disappear all the time, and it's really sad. (laughs) Oh, where are
1: they? But here we are. And if you want more Joey and I, where we talk about Broadway, sometimes we talk about our naughty bits, please join us on the Patreon. (laughs) That is where we do all of our bonus content. We give you three ad-free episodes of a TV show of your choice. We just finished Pink Collar Crimes. We are on to Love honor and betrayal. We've also done, well, pink collar crimes was the joy of 2022. It is absolutely
0: (laughs) worth joining the Patreon for. I'm telling you, don't miss out on pink collar crimes.
1: We have back episodes of Snapped and See No Evil and Fear Thy Neighbor and Who the Bleep Did I Marry, ready for you to download and binge. All you have to do is go to our website, click the Patreon link, and join the drama club. You can also get into our close friend circle, and we've got some summer surprises coming up for you that we can't wait to announce, and, uh, you know, join us on our socials, too. We'll talk about that later. Should we get into the episode? Yeah, baby. Let's do it.
0: Okay. Do it. Do it. Do it.
1: Episode 6, Into the Night, tells the story of the disappearance of Zoe Campos.
2: Nothing about the night hinted at the trouble to come.
1: I honestly thought that I would see her the next day.
2: But in the morning, a beloved
3: daughter and sister is gone. Zoe basically disappeared into thin air.
1: My whole world just stopped. It was pretty much the scariest night.
3: Suspicions keep mounting.
1: He failed one question, and it
3: was, do you know where Zoe's at? It just didn't seem right that he would lie about something that small on a missing person case. And for investigators, the case
2: cuts to the core.
3: How would I feel if one of my girls went missing? At that point, it did become personal.
2: Now, a family struggles with the unthinkable.
1: There's no how-to guide on how to do things for missing children.
2: But one detective remains determined to bring Zoe Campos home.
3: I want there to be an answer, good, bad, or ugly. I want to solve the case.
0: So here we are on Sunday, November 17th, 2013 in Lubbock, Texas. And we are told that 18-year-old Zoe Campos loves spending quality time with her family.
1: Christopher says the Campos family, even though it's 10 a.m., they've been up for hours. Yeah, I was like, okay, bragger. I mean, (laughs) like you and I are night owls, right? What what are morning people called? I want to. I want to. Like, are they what morning
0: Satanists?
1: That's what they're called. They're called Satanists
0: because only people who have a strong connection to Beelzebub get up before 10 a.m. and are chipping and singing with the birds. Don't talk to me. Don't touch me. Don't look at me before 11 a.m.,
1: okay? We see a reenactment of a family playing with super soakers, apparently, you know, well before the sun the sun comes up. Now, in my family, super soakers, I mean, I don't even think they make them anymore like when we were kids. Remember those super soakers?
0: yeah it looked like you got dipped in the bathtub
1: yeah because in my family we picked one person and we literally (laughs) soaked them superly i don't think the kids have those super soaker guns anymore no i don't but yes they were a very close family so close that sweet zoe moved in with her sister savannah who was a single mom of two just to help her
0: you know it's really interesting because you know, most teenagers, I I, I don't know about if this if it was this way for you, but like most teenagers are fighting for their independence. Yeah. And they're like trying to get away from their family. I mean, you know, or trying to get out of going to church four times a week while people speak in tongues and get slain in the spirit. Why is the Holy Ghost <laughs> slaying people? Why? <laughs> Just the spirit of God murdering people in his own home. I don't know why. Don't ask me I'm not an obstetrician, but here we are. What's this show called again? Are Who am I you-
1: Are you okay? I'm fine. Do you need a minute? I
0: don't have religious trauma. Anyway, Zoe's back to the super soakers.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's our show, everyone. Thank you so much. Uh, We're fine, honestly. The two of us are fine. No trauma between us.
2: (laughs) But even a teenager as attached to family as Zoe is still needs occasional alone time.
1: She loved being outdoors. She was always going to this little lake down the street from my grandma's house almost every day during the summer to go fishing.
2: (laughs) The few friends Zoe lets into her world know she has a big heart and a weakness for strays.
1: We also learned that Zoe loved the outdoors. She always brought home stray animals, which I actually did as a kid. And my mom was the opposite of Dr. Doolittle. My mom (laughs) was like, Dr. Do not bring that filthy thing in here. It probably has rabies or fleas. And then we we get a little backstory of Zoe's parents. They met while they were in high school. Her dad was in the military, so he was in and out a lot. And then when she was 10, they got divorced. Zoe was really sad, obviously, you know, but good for them. If you realize that you're not made for each other and you're better apart, I support that.
0: And she did adjust. It was an adjustment, but she did adjust. And because Zoe's dad spent a lot of time overseas deployed, she and her sister Savannah, they worried about him a lot. But when he would come home, she made sure she got a lot of father-daughter time in. And one of the things that her dad loved to do and his family loved to do
1: Mm -hmm. was
0: fix up cars. Can I tell you, that's yeah. a skill I wish I had because it sounds like a lot of fun.
1: Oh, wow. Th- that was a left turn I was not expecting. I'm dead ass serious. No, I mean, I don't know. I hate to be cliche. I hate cliche, like a female tropes. Like, I don't know anything about cars, but I don't know anything about cars. And I don't think it's a sexism thing. Like, I really, like, don't care. Uh, well, what if, what if you came to my house and while uh-huh. we repaired the car,
0: we seen grease lightnings?
1: Okay, that I could get on
0: board
1: What are the words? I mean, the joke is on us because they say, I was a little kid singing She's a Real Pussy Wagon, and I had no idea those were the words. <laughs> you know that ain't no shit, I'll be getting lots of tit? How did our parents let us watch that movie at such a young age? That's a lyric. Those are the words.
0: Ain't no shit, I'll be getting lots of tit. Yeah. That's a terrible yeah. lyric.
1: You know that I ain't bragging she's a real pussy wagon. Gross,
0: John Travolta. Wow. Well, turns out John Travolta's gay.
1: Anyway, I'm um, so... <laughs> she wanted to go to school to be a mechanic.
2: Zoe was so focused on her goal that instead of waiting until she graduated, she left high school early with the idea of getting her GED. She also bought herself an old, beat-up Lincoln Town car to start practicing on her own. She wanted to go to school to become a mechanic.
0: Yeah. But in the meantime, she bought an old Lincoln Town car to start practicing on. And uh, her mom had me cracking up because she says, my Lord Jesus, she bought the biggest car and she was... (laughs) five foot nothing just vibing behind this big old <laughs> long car and that picture made me chuckle because it reminds me of all the wannabe boys that I knew in high school who were like uh-huh. 125 pounds wet yeah and heavily oversized clothes driving literal Mima cars around the West Bank like a 92 <laughs> Oldsmobile and these dudes thought they looked hard as fuck meanwhile they look like Seth Green and can't hardly wait do you remember that do you remember yes that? why don't I waste my flavor damn
1: <laughs> <laughs> so on this day on this morning with the morning macaws over here they're playing outside mama Melinda has to be at work at three so she says bye to everyone she says she says goodbye to Zoe and she says I love you and breaks my heart every time that was the last time she saw her Savannah and Zoe and the babies came over so I had to be at work at three so I still had to get ready and um some reason I looked at Zoe I looked her in her eyes and I said I love you and I gave her a hug
0: that got me yelling when she talked about that it yeah she said I had no idea why but I I just hugged her and said I love you oh yeah so So that night, Zoe goes to the home of a friend who just had a baby to say hi and congratulate her. After she visits her friend's baby, she meets up with her sister Savannah and her kids and a friend named Jessica. Mm -hmm. Savannah says Jessica, which is such a Southern way to say Jessica. That's how the people in my family call my sister Jessica. We say Jessica. There's no I. It's just Jessica.
1: Jessica. Oh, I didn't even catch that. Oh, I did. I'm from the West Coast in California where we say all the letters in the words. So,
0: (laughs) you know, when I was in Bible college, (laughs) there there was a a professor, I use that term loosely, who was from Alabama, and he said, you know, all the crazy people run to the West Coast and they can't get anywhere farther because of the water, so they just land in California. (laughs) I was like, what? (laughs) Okay, sir. Anyway. So the, anyway, after dinner, they all go back to Savannah's house where Zoe lived with her and they watch a movie and Jessica came to and around 1130 p.m. Sister Savannah says, I decided to put myself to bed, including the kids. And Zoe was dozing off.
1: Yeah, she was just dozing on the couch. Cut to 220 a.m. Mama Melinda is clocking out of work and Zoe texts her and says, you know, do you want a ride? And Mama Melinda was like, oh, my gosh, yes. Thank you. My car is in the shop. Ten minutes go by. Zoe's not there. And Mama Melinda says anywhere in Lubbock takes eight to 10 minutes to get there. And I was like, oh, it's a small town. I looked it up. It's 136 square miles. It's not a small town, but I guess they meant in like their neighborhood, everything takes it. But I was like, oh, I didn't realize Lubbock was so small. I mean, everything in New York takes like eight to 10 minutes to get to. Which. What? Time. Times that by six. I was like, on what planet? <laughs> you can That's why everyone's in a hurry because it just always takes so long to get fucking anywhere. Absolutely.
3: I called her phone and it just rang and rang and rang. And then it went to her voicemail and I called it right
1: back and it just went to voicemail. I honestly thought that maybe she had just fell asleep and. I would see her tomorrow, the next day. So Mama Melinda goes and crashes at her friend's house who lives behind the bar that she works at.
0: Yeah, I mean, and she was exhausted. It was a long night for her. And the next morning, Sister Savannah was getting ready for work and she had to be at work at 8 a.m., so it's early in the morning. Who can function at 8 a.m.? It's literally the main deterrent for me from having kids because I'm not trying to put nobody's ass on a bus at 6 a.m. Now, get yourself on a bus. Anyway, so... (laughs) (laughs) I love how we've just
1: created a world where someone forced you to have children.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So she's getting ready. She goes to Zoe's room to let her know she was heading to work and Zoe's not there. So then she's like, well, maybe she's downstairs on the couch, checks the couch. No, Zoe. She looks to see if Zoe's car is outside. It's not. So she calls Mama Melinda and says, hey, Ma, uh, is Zoe with you? And Melinda's like. No.
1: So then they call her cell phone, and you know when it goes straight to voicemail, someone's phone is dead or, you know, it's off. And they say, that's so weird. She always has her charger. And I was like, I do not. <laughs> I, I am irrationally irresponsible with my battery life. Like, I really, really don't take proper care of the life of my phone.
0: I have seen you ask busboys <laughs> at a restaurant if they have a charger. You- I don't you don't it give is, a fuck. You will ask is, anybody,
1: anytime, any place, anywhere, anyhow,
0: if you can charge your phone.
1: It's entirely my fault. I take full responsibility. It's like I think the battery life in my phone is different than everyone else's. It's 100% my fault. It absolutely is. Okay. <laughs> I was already freaking out. It was about five or six when we finally decided to go ahead and call the police.
2: Before filing a missing person report, the police issue an APB for Zoe's car.
1: That night I didn't sleep. My whole world just stopped. They call the police and all they do is they put out an APB for her car. Now, I actually kind of like misunderstood this because they don't go full blown missing person. So they are just looking for her car at this point. They also call Zoe's dad, who is overseas in Afghanistan, and they let another day pass they don't tell us much about that and then they file the missing persons report
0: yeah they're not totally clear on this timeline they don't give us all the details as to what happened all I know is is like something's off here and I think as we move forward with the story you'll realize that the Lubbock police ain't worth shit
1: yeah no well they don't make it clear if they were like we need to call in a missing person and they were like all right little lady let's just find the car I don't know how it went, but it just seems weird that they would call the police and they were like, well, we'll just put out an APB. Yeah, it doesn't
0: it doesn't make sense. But when they finally do file the missing persons report, they immediately ping Zoe's phone to pinpoint which cell tower she or her phone is closest to.
1: Now, we know that the phone is either dead or has been turned off. And now it's Wednesday. Zoe hasn't been seen for three days. Now, her Aunt Monica is out on this day driving, and she sees a car that she swears is Zoe. Like, I mean, who knows? It is a big old boat of a Lincoln Town car, but she's, you know, there could be other ones. You know, who knows? No, because like, I drive a gray Jetta. I see gray Jettas all the time. And then I feel like I see town cars because mostly town cars in New York are the things that take you to the airport. Why are you laughing at me? I'm just laughing at you because, not because of what you said, but it was how you said it, you just started,
0: y'all can't see her, but I can and she's just going, it just, I just, it, it just, it's just a long boat, just a long boat. <laughs> I'm laughing. I'm like, I'm on board with you. I'm on board with you. You don't have to explain. We need a video
1: component.
0: (laughs) I mean, truly. But listen, it turns out Aunt Monica graduated from DB University with a minor. Oh, yes, she did. Oh, she's got a minor in Not Today, Satan, because she quickly makes a U-turn and follows this car, okay? Yeah. And and, and like you said, she's not 100% sure that that it's Zoe's car, so she calls Mama Melinda, and asks if Zoe had damage to the front fender, which Mama Melinda confirms. Mm -hmm. Holy shit, talk about being in the right place at the right time.
2: But her heart sinks a second later. I pulled up next to the car, and I was sure it wasn't Zoe driving the car. Zoe was petite. This person was more huskier in the shoulders, and you could tell it was the male. You can't see his face. You could just see the hoodie.
1: So she speeds up to follow the Lincoln and it is 100% Zoe's car. She pulls up beside it. It's dark, but it is again, 100% not Zoe driving. It's a man in a hoodie. She can't make out the face, but it's definitely, it's definitely not her. And then she thinks, oh my God, what if she's in the car? What if she's in the back? What if she's on the floor? What if she's in the trunk? Now, her next move,
0: I was a little confused by. Same, same. Because two things. I understand that when adrenaline kicks in, you're not always thinking clearly. You're just like, go, 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 go. And the first call she makes after Mama Melinda is she calls her son, Zoe's cousin, and says, I need you to come. I'm in this neighborhood driving. I need you to get in your car and come meet me and help me. I was confused why she didn't call the cops first, but... Based on the little information we have on the cops Mm -hmm. up to this point, I'm assuming that she's like, the Lubbock police department ain't shit. And they're not very helpful. So let me get my son out here who will be on it.
2: Exactly. I was still pursuing the suspect, but he turned off on a side street. And so I had to pass him. It's a terrifying moment. Monica has lost Zoe's car. Maybe even Zoe.
1: So... While following this car, the car makes a turn. I'm sure that she was probably maybe going fast and couldn't make the turn. Right. I was like, why don't you just follow? But I guess she didn't want to make like an aggressive, like, I'm definitely following you turn. Yeah. Anyway, she finds it. She catches up with the car. They find it in a parking lot of an apartment complex. There is the car. Literally
0: the Jennifer Cassie of it all.
1: Oh, yeah. So then Aunt Monica, who has seen so many true crime documentaries and is you know, a part of DBU, is like, whatever we do, we don't touch that car. Yeah, We don't contaminate it. Mama Melinda was freaking out. She wants to open the trunk. She wants to look in it. Aunt Monica was like, just wait. You don't know. You can contaminate. I mean, thank goodness she was in her right mind to tell her to do that. Oh, right. But oh, my stars. I would want to flip it upside down.
0: Yeah, I mean, and Mama Melinda says, Like, I was circling that car because she kept thinking, like, my baby could be in that trunk. And so I was saying, like, mama's here. If you're in there, I'm going to get you out. I'm going to get you out. Don't worry. But, like, you know, and it takes time. So they call the police. Mm Hmm. Buckle up. If you have Xanax, I I strongly suggest you take one now because this is absolutely infuriating. They call the police, and the police don't show up for a fucking hour.
1: And hour. I mean, come on. Do better. He was like, you know what? All right. We'll be right down there. I need to balance my checkbook real fast right. and I'll get right over. You know what I need to do 1st I'm going to do that. Then I'm going to straighten my pantry. Uh, I'm finishing up a massage here. Uh, oh, And then I'm going to tend my garden real fast. Uh, I'm going to finish up this here knitting project. I'm going to have a Sammy and a cigarette. I will be there in two scoots. And apparently two scoots is a fucking hour. Child. An hour.
0: This is all the information I need to know about the Lubbock Police Department. They are fucking messier than yelling Marie Marsh after wrestling a pig at the Lebanon County Fair. Okay? (laughs) (laughs) They are a hot fucking mess and and when the police show up mama melinda was like the cop didn't want to speak to me because i was so angry and i was emotional and i basically went off on him like what the fuck is your problem why did it take you an hour meanwhile we're walking around the neighborhood banging on people's door being like did you see this car here before do you recognize this car uh, did, did you see anyone there asking questions, waiting for an hour for your ass to leave the fucking donut factory to get here to check out the car?
1: Exactly. And I can just imagine the mansplaining, being like, all right, little lady, calm down. I know you're probably on your menzies. But let's think of this rationally. I know that's hard because you're a very, very crazy, crazy woman. But once you calm down and take a few breaths, we can talk about this rationally. Would you feel more comfortable if we took you to the kitchen? So you're in your own, you're in your, you know, somewhere nice and comfortable. That way you can calm down, you irrational woman. And what upset me When Mama Melinda tells the story, her voice is very apologetic. Yeah. Like, well, I was being emotional and aggressive. Honey, be an hour. That that fucking Lubbock Police Department will be called Marsh Police Department by the time I would be fucking done with it. Don't apologize for being upset. Agreed. And then Lieutenant Friedman explains it away. And he's like, well, they didn't make it sound like a very high priority. I'm like, save your mansplaining for somebody who's
0: buying this shit. Are you fucking kidding me? A person's been missing for over three days, and their car was found abandoned after a stranger was driving it. Explain to me how that is low priority. Imagine, I'm sorry, I'm I, literally, I'm so angry that the the consonants. There's no place for consonants in my mouth.
1: Imagine it's your child who is there's missing. There's plenty of room in that mouth. I know that for a fact, yeah, honey. There is. Thank, Thank you. Hit me up in my DMs, and so
0: I, I'm like. <laughs> Imagine this was your child who's missing. The car is found abandoned. And tell me about how low priority this is again. And I'll tell you every which way you can become rotisserie in hell, you brain dead asshole. (laughs) 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 Thank you.
1: thank you, Rotisserie in hell. So finally, after the officer calms the crazy woman, he finally opens the trunk. Which Mama Melinda was like, that's all I fucking wanted you to do. I just wanted to see if my baby was in there. And she wasn't. Yeah. And what was there was Zoe's black jacket and some duct tape. And the cops are like, wait, duct tape? And they're like, Actually, no, that's that's fully hers. She yeah. fixes cars with duct tape. It's fine. Yeah. So they get into the
0: backseat and they find Zoe's cell phone charger as well as a man's gray sweatshirt. That gave me chills. Yeah. And then they dust the car for fingerprints. But when they process them the next day, it produces no leads.
1: I was like, really? Not on the steering wheel, not on the seatbelt, there was no... We know a man was driving that car. No, they found fingerprints.
0: They found fingerprints, but it didn't match any fingerprints in their database, which which just means that it wasn't someone who had previously been processed in their system.
2: Detective Adam Freeman is one of the many officers assigned to the case. Right off the bat, he feels a special connection to finding Zoe.
3: When I found out that Zoe's dad was a Marine... He's got two daughters. I was a Marine. I have two daughters. How would I feel if one of my girls went missing? At that point, it did become personal.
2: Zoe's father, Alex, takes an emergency leave from Afghanistan to join the search for his daughter, while Zoe's mom, Melinda, appears on local news.
1: Now, this is where Lieutenant Freeman says that he really empathizes with this case. Not because of Zoe, but because Zoe's dad is a Marine and he was a Marine. And that's when it became personal. And that's how you make someone's disappearance about you. Congratulations, you fucking barbarian. Sir, I don't give a fiddler's fuck that you got all hot and bothered
0: about Zoe's dad being a Marine. You, sir, or the people you worked with, or all of you, dropped a ball the size of an elephant testicle and I don't want to hear your self-congratulatory take on how hard you were working, how yeah. seriously you decided to
2: take this. Shut the fuck up.
1: Yeah, you, you still waited an hour. Oh, and there's more to come.
2: In an attempt to retrace Zoe's steps, investigators take statements from everyone who saw her the night she disappeared. The friend she visited that evening, April Delatore, Torre, says Zoe left her place around 9 p.m. A young man, also at April's house that night,
3: verifies the story. He said they had hung out there and then he had left. Zoe had left about the same time. Didn't know where she went.
1: Then they go through the day. She went to dinner with Jessica and Sister Savannah and the kids. They went home, watched the movie. Now, Jessica says the last time she saw her was about 1130, which tracks with Savannah's story. Then they're like, okay, so they do a full forensics of Zoe's car for DNA of any kind of clue, and they come up with nothing. So they also get a search warrant to search her phone to find out the last place that it pinged. And the last place it pinged was in a place by Lowry Fields, which is not a very good area. And also that ping can kind of be within a mile radius of you know the tower that it pings at. Hi, we've all listened to cereal, we know. Yep. And the police are explaining how difficult it is to search that. Meanwhile, while they're sitting like yapping about it, Zoe's family's like, bye, we're doing a search party around Lowry Field. See ya fucksticks. Literally. Like, they are like, okay, cool. Are you done? You're done talking. We're gonna go actually like put our feet on the ground and go fucking find our daughter. There is nothing worse than
0: having to listen to this ginger twat Detective Freeman mansplain to us anything and everything. We just didn't have the manpower to search the area. Shut the fuck up. There's so many excuses from the Lubbock Police Department. I don't want to hear them anymore. And so, like you said, once the minute they heard about that ping, they were on yeah. it. The
2: family, the family was on it.
1: Yeah. They're flying. they're on foot, they're doing everything.
2: Meanwhile, Investigators continue scanning Zoe's phone records to see who else she was speaking with the night she disappeared. While in the area of Lowry Field,
3: Zoe made a call that
2: stands out to investigators.
3: There was a phone call or two to Ben Flores' cell phone.
2: She
1: called at, now Detective Freeman says, uh, 1 or one thirty, And she talked for about, uh, I think... 30 minutes? I'm sorry. We're dealing with a missing person. Can we hone in and specify and just talk with a little bit more certainty about this timeline? Because again, if we learned anything from serial and every other true crime story, minutes matter. Mapping things out matter. These gen half an hour? You're give you're ballparking this? Like, listen, Alan, you're such a man hater. No, I'm not. I just want these cases taken seriously the way I would want them taken seriously if anybody I loved were going missing. If he was like, yeah, one or one thirty, I'd be like, give me a fucking number. Was it one sixteen? Was it one twenty two?
0: I mean, honestly, I-, I think anybody who watches this episode will realize very quickly how inept everyone yeah. involved with this investigation is. And how for a long time they were so cavalier in their investigation yeah. until they realized, oh, fuck, maybe we should have done something from the beginning. Yeah. And there is a lot of mansplaining in here. And I, I, listen, it's very tiresome. And so they, they don't make a very strong case for themselves. Yeah. And so the police question Ben Flores and he doesn't offer up much. He says, I drank some beers and passed out and I can't remember anything. Sir. In my lifetime, I have done some questionable things in the French Quarter with questionable people whilst using questionable substances, and I still manage to remember it all. Two Michelobes ain't going to wipe your memory, so I'm watching you, sir. I got my eye on you, Ben Flores.
1: Ben Flores was actually someone who—an older man who Mama Melinda was like— Sort of testing the waters of dating. They didn't end up dating. They ended up friends. But he polygraphs, and the question that he failed on, isn't it so funny how sometimes they, like, will tell us everything, and sometimes they're like, we can't tell you the results. He failed on the question, do you know where Zoe is? Mama Melinda rightfully freaks out, and she's like, um, (laughs) Why did you fail that, Polly? And he was like, I was nervous. I hadn't had a cigarette. Bitch, please. He's named a person of interest.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Also, Ben Flores, shut up and never speak again.
2: (laughs) But the late night phone call also raises some questions about Zoe's night. If she went back out after her sister went to sleep, where was she going? And who was she with? Detectives dig into her romantic history, starting with her high school boyfriend. Joe Rodriguez.
0: So now detectives are looking into her history with guys. She had a boyfriend in high school named Joe Rodriguez and they dated for over two and a half years. And Mama Melinda's like, Look, we knew him. We knew his family. They're good people. We were not worried about him. And the cops say that, you know, he was also very cooperative
1: and they didn't have any
0: reason to suspect him, although we're not ruling anyone out as a person
3: of interest.
1: And Joe was like, You know, he, I haven't spoken to her really since we broke up a couple months ago. But after she broke up with Joe, she started dating a man by the name of Jacob Preto, And she didn't really tell her family about this guy, Jacob, because Mama Melinda probably wasn't really going to like him. And because he had a child and Mama Melinda, for whatever reason, didn't approve of that. She's entitled to her opinion. (laughs) Single parents are fine partners but (laughs) mama melinda did finally meet him and she's like just as i thought i don't like him. yeah (laughs) Yeah. but she had a good feeling she had a vibe and you know do do if i there's one thing i have learned from mama melinda do not throw off her vibe okay oh
0: absolutely not or sister savannah because both of them were like i don't like this dude
1: Stand by that. If you don't like them, done. Listen, you know, when you love somebody, you're very overprotective and you can, you know, if I see someone acting sideways, I'm getting, my head's going to cock like that and I'll be like, why are you talking like that? She was just overprotective. She had a gut feeling, and you don't need a reason. Down, bitch. Code of honor says you don't like someone. I don't like them. Done. You don't. I don't have to answer any questions to you. So, if Mama Melinda, I'm on your side. You don't like Jacob. He's a fucking asshole. And and when are we fighting? Well, turns out that they had
0: problems zoe and jacob because he was cheating on her and he did have another girlfriend and it turns out that that girlfriend was his alibi for the evening she could confirm it and so why are men so gross
1: well christopher says days before they went missing they had been arguing over his two-timing i was like christopher two-timing like, come on. <laughs> he took a straycation. Well, let's think of something a little more creative. I like two-timing. I mean, I'm here for two-timing. You know, someone else is riding his baloney pony or something like that. Come oh, right. on, Christopher. Yes, yes. The
0: beef bus was visiting a different depot. <laughs> <laughs> So the detectives are at a dead end, but they dig deeper into Zoe's Facebook. And it turns out that Zoe had been messaging with a guy whose name is concealed by the police because it's an ongoing investigation. And he had convinced Zoe to come over and smoke some weed with her. Now, Mama Melinda says, look, I knew Zoe liked to get high. I didn't approve of it, but I'm glad I knew about it. I'm glad she felt comfortable enough to tell me about it and that she didn't try to hide it from me.
1: Yeah. I really just my armpits started sweating when they said they went through her Facebook messages. Oh, child! I was like, "Who?" Listen, when I when I leave this plane, you all have a gas and go through my messages and read them out loud and have an interpretive dance because I'll be gone. But woo, that gave me the meat sweats. Oh, honey! When they said they were going through her
0: messages. Please wipe my Instagram first, I, Ellen. No,
1: I know. Oh, you're, yeah. I will actually write like an erotic novel with your fucking Instagram DMs.
2: <laughs> Shut. Ah. Detectives are more alarmed by the fact that the young man who sent these messages had already spoken with police when they questioned the people who saw Zoe the night she disappeared. In his original statement, he admitted to being introduced to Zoe at her friend April's house. But he never mentioned the invite for
3: a late-night get-together. To me, it raised some questions that he was lying in the first interview.
0: Remember Zoe's friend April who had the baby that Zoe had gone to visit that night of her disappearance? Well, it turns out Zoe had met this dude at April's house that night, and police had spoken with him, but he wasn't forthcoming about his late-night invitation to smoke with her that night.
1: He lied, he lied, he never been so... He was lying. So they bring him down
0: to the station to interview him. And he admitted, okay, yes, I didn't tell you that because I didn't want to get in trouble for smoking weed.
1: Right. And then the police, well within their right, was like, wait, so you lied about weed, even though we're in the middle of a missing persons case? Like, do you understand how sus that sounds? And he was like, okay, okay. I lied the first time, but here's the truth. I asked her to come smoke weed at my house. She got here. And then I said to her, do you want to smoke weed? Only problem is I don't have weed. And then she's like, wait, I came over here to smoke weed. Okay, I guess I'll go find some weed and come back. And she never came back. That is this man's story.
0: Now, who the hell invites someone over to smoke weed and you ain't got no fucking weed? If you yeah. did that to me, I would be like, I am deleting you from my contacts. Yeah. Don't ever message me. I'm unfriending you. I don't know you. If you see me in public, keep walking, you old liar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. And then see, I messaged her at four and six saying, hey, I thought you come back. Did you get the weed? I know I said I had weed, but I'm sorry. Come back. Come back. Yeah. Yeah. And so
0: obviously this scenario lands this dude on the top of Detective Fuckwad's list of people of interest and detective Freeman gets a warrant for this guy's Facebook. And apparently this guy messaged a lot of young women and detective Freeman says his ultimate goal was to have sex with him. I'm like, okay. So he's like every other 21 year old I ever met. Not that I'm making an excuse. Let me make that clear. I'm not making an excuse for him, but um, how old, how old's your boyfriend? And so also he goes on to say (laughs) that his, his messages bordered on harassment. And also, also, The other thing is, this dude's house is very close to the cell tower where Zoe's phone pinged last. Yikes.
3: My personal opinion is that this young man that was the last one to see Zoe is the only one responsible and completely involved in her disappearance.
2: Detective Freeman says he has all he needs to classify this young man as a suspect in Zoe's disappearance. But he needs more evidence for an arrest. When the Compost family learns who Zoe went to meet, they're shocked.
0: And so Detective Freeman, you know, questions whether or not Zoe ever actually left this dude's house. And then he makes a very bold statement. He says, in my opinion, this is the guy who was absolutely responsible for or involved somehow in Zoe's disappearance. However, I don't have enough evidence to make an arrest.
1: So now the police chief... Not Lieutenant Freeman, but the police chief holds a press conference. Girl. Okay. Yep. Buckle up. Take another Xanax. All right. I'm going to keep my voice just like this. I'm not going to raise it. I'm not going to raise the volume. I'm I'm not going to use inflammatory or aggressive tones. I'm going to keep my heart rate down. I'm going to pop a Xanax. I'm going to touch some grass. I'm going to sniff some lavender Uh or some Uh shit. Okay. Uh Uh-oh. I, I literally, my arms are warm right now. All right, that's I'm not all right. Take kidding. your time. <laughs> I smell <laughs> toast. Okay. <laughs> we listened to this police chief say this.
3: Through investigation, it was found that Zoe was involved in behavior which might put her in harm's way.
1: Ugh. Questioning or casting judgment on someone and their choices... Makes me think or or makes it seem that you're implying that this person, this woman, was in some way responsible for what happened to them. That, my dear friends, is textbook victim blaming. When a man... Victim blames, that proves to me that they are unable to acknowledge the culture of systemic fucking misogyny that leads to sexual, widespread sexual violence. Yeah. And you, sir, can take your fucking fuckery wings and uh-huh. fly the fuck off to fuckland. Uh huh, come on. Because a woman should be able to. Flirt, stay yep. out late, uh-huh. have sex, show her body, yep. go to a man's house, smoke weed, stay out late, love herself, be sexy, leave her fucking drink unattended. Yep. Without, the, I literally have chills. Without the fear of getting hurt. Come on, yelling, Marcia preaching. Come on now, hallelujah. No woman puts herself in harm's fucking way women are allowed to live their life that fucking patriarchal culture that women put themselves in a bad situation like because first of all they can do whatever the fuck they want but you know the fuck what Brittany drexel was walking down the fucking street molly bish was at work christy cornwall was out for a fucking walk Kara Kapetsky was fucking at school. Those women are just as much victims as women like Tony Sharpless and Roxanne Paltoff, who were also just living their fucking life. Just like racism, homophobia, sexism, victim blaming. All victim blaming does is it allows... The person doing that to maintain that illusion of control. They can just swing their dicks around and blame women. But this fucking talking head of lettuce is going to sit here at an actual (laughs) microphone holding a press conference using that kind of language, insinuating that she had something coming to her from her behavior for what? Smoking weed? And I'm not saying don't be safe. I'm not saying uh, please, please, please be safe. But when oh, I am my I my arms are hot right now. Like to deflect any kind of responsibility of violence or sexual violence or any kind of sexual responsibility on women is disgusting. I I I'm done talking now. Sorry. I yeah. No, no.
0: You good? How's that heart rate? <laughs> How's that second Xanax working out for Xana- you?
1: I took the Xanax. It didn't kick in. I was texting Joey at the bus because I was looking I was looking over my notes. And I was like, oh, I forgot uh, how mad. When I watched it, I feel like that was put in the episode intentionally by ID just to hear what I had to say about it.
0: <laughs> Listen, you, but you hit the nail on the head. I agree with everything you just said. Honey, I'm like, hallelujah. Come on, you better preach. Because the thing is, is that also... Detective Freeman, if that was your daughter, you remember you felt such kindred, you you, you took this so personally, you felt such a kindred spirit with your Zoe's dad, the Marine. But like, imagine that they were talking about your white daughter the way they were talking about Zoe, who was brown. It's very misogynistic. It is seeping with racism as well. I, it, I, it, it was a lot. It was a lot to take in.
1: And it's so few words. Yep. And that's why words matter
0: so much. Yes, I'm, I'm with you. I'm on the same page. It's, it's infuriating. It's archaic. And I'm like, bye, y'all, you dinosaurs.
2: <laughs> as weeks turn into months, holidays and birthdays pass with no sign of Zoe. The one-year anniversary is especially difficult.
1: It kind of hit hard knowing that it had been a whole year, it had been a whole 365 days that I hadn't seen her, that I hadn't heard her, heard her voice, that still a year later we were still in the same spot as we were.
0: Sister Savannah talks about the pain of not seeing her sister and, and Mama Melinda is still, it's very raw for them. It's very difficult to watch and to listen to her family talk about Zoe, because they are in excruciating pain in the way that anybody would if somebody, if a member of their family went missing.
1: I think I blacked out for the rest of the episode. But I mean, listen, the only thing that Detective Friedman does is he never lets go of the idea that this Facebook invitation guy was lying. So I'm going to give him that amount of credit. He was like, I'm pretty sure it was this guy. So that's where I'm going to focus my energy.
2: In July 2015, nearly two years after Zoe vanished, he officially becomes the lead investigator on the case. The detective decides to revisit his suspect's house to try and prove his theory.
3: By the time I took over the investigation, he was no longer living at that house.
2: Freeman brings in scent-tracking dogs to see if the young man's story, that Zoe stayed in her car and never went into his house, holds up.
0: The detective revisits the suspect's home, even though he no longer lives there. And he takes cadaver dogs. And those dogs picked up Zoe's scent along the fence in the back alley behind the suspect's home. And it followed the scent along the alley where the garbage trucks would come. And on top of that, the dogs again picked up Zoe's scent at five different places in the home. So at this point, Detective Freeman is convinced it's this dude, but he still doesn't have enough solid evidence to make an arrest.
1: And I couldn't believe when he said two years later, I was like, "Well, good luck with them Same. puppies." Oh, wait. Yeah. Two year good doggies. Good babies. Good doggies. Two years later? That's
0: incredible. And so You know, uh, he talks about how he's still gathering DNA samples from everyone who's on the person of interest list, including the dude she met up with. And they basically sent it all off to the lab and they're waiting to get some matches.
1: That is sort of where the episode ends. You know, the family at the end of every episode, they sort of tell us how, you know, they're navigating through life without their loved one. Yeah. So now remember that unnamed moldy dish towel of a man? Yep. We got his name. His name was Carlos Rodriguez.
0: Yeah, and in November of 2018, almost five years to the day that she went missing, Carlos led the police to the remains of Zoe Campos, and he was arrested that night. And yes, he is the unidentified suspect. He wrote a letter to the local news station in Lubbock detailing what happened, and they aired a segment on it, and it's 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 really sad.
1: What What he said was... They did smoke marijuana, and it was synthetic marijuana, and he started to trip out. This is what he explains in his letter. So he says things like this. This is a direct quote from the letter. I started to lose track of time and spacing out. She kept saying things, and I could hear her laughing, but my mind was somewhere else. When I turned to face her, her face looked different. She looked very weird in an evil way, and I started to panic, but I couldn't move.
0: Yeah. He's like, I felt I was dying. And she kept grinning and asking me if I was okay. And he's like, I started to get lightheaded. I started to black out. And Zoe said, you're tripping. And when she opened her mouth to laugh, her face started to melt. And that's when I struck her. The
1: letter goes on, which you can read online. It's, it's very, you know, available online. But he basically said he hallucinated. Yes. Whether or not I believe him is beside the point. He then panicked and buried her in the backyard. Yes. You know, he confessed. It took him five years to confess. And he is behind bars. You know, he also asked for, you know, mercy on the court because of this drug induced, you know, state that he was in. And, sir, I want to punch you in the dick with a cactus. I don't give a shit what you did. And that poor family has to live with this. At least they have closure. At least they know what happened. They don't, you know, but still, I mean, that grief is immeasurable. Uh, in
0: Absolutely. I, I will say this. You know, they were getting on him. They were getting closer and closer because the more research I did, you'd be so proud of me.
1: I am uh, proud of you. The more
0: research I did, you you find out that they were very close to yep. getting him. His story yep. kept changing every single year. They never let up on him, and so yep. I think he got back to in, into a corner and thought, "Well, if I turn myself in and I sh- I just admit what I've done, then maybe I'll have some leniency." Mm-hmm. I do want to say that there have been a lot of cases where people have smoked synthetic marijuana and and tripped out and done insane things. I, I'm not I'm not justifying what this man did in any way, shape, or form. You know, when I was in Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark, there was a guy that I was in a show, uh, who was in the show named um, Marcus, and he and his boyfriend were addicted to meth. They had been on Mm -hmm. a three-day bender. They hadn't slept. And he hallucinated that his boyfriend was Satan. That's what he Mm -hmm. said. And he thought that his boyfriend was trying to kill him. And in turn, he killed him. And now he's in Rikers spending uh, 20 years in prison. Say something funny. Well, did we ever figure out why God is murdering people in His house, slaying people in the spirit? You don't know what that is, do you? No. <laughs> eh, what is that? It's when it's when a, a minister or someone lays hand on someone and they fall out. That has a name. It's called being slain in the spirit. <laughs> <laughs>
1: We're an educational podcast.
0: Should we press charges against the Holy Spirit? <laughs> <laughs>
1: It. What? That was a
0: hard one, dude. Oh,
1: man. We love you down, bitches. We love you so much, that fucking poor baby. But we are here. We are telling their stories And also that guy can choke. Yep. Don't forget to follow us on social media. We are on Facebook. We spend a lot of time there interacting with you guys. It is called the Obsessed with Disappeared Podcast Discussion Group. Are you ever going to let me say it again? Uh, Honey, I gave you a bunch of chances. I guess we
0: don't have another hour for me to sort that shit out. Go ahead. Go on now with your sermon.
1: (laughs) And you can follow us on Instagram on the Disappeared Pod. Where can they find you, Joey? You can find me on Instagram at It's Joey Taranto. And you can find Yellen Marsh at Where Can They Find You, Baby? <laughs> Ellen Marsh. And I'm on TikTok as Ellen Marie Marsh. I'm also on Twitter. We also have a TikTok. It's Obsessed with Disappeared, I think, is our TikTok. Yep. And of course, join us on the Patreon. We are trying to make that our palette cleanser. We're trying to, you know, give you guys a laugh. We just finished up Pink Collar Crimes with Marsha Clark and A Tragic Bomb. And we have 100 <laughs> episodes ready ready for you to download and binge. We have two tiers. We might have another tier coming your way, and you can find the Patreon by going to our website and clicking the Patreon link, or you can go straight to Patreon, and we're there. We love hearing from you. We love interacting with you. Please send us a message. We read all of our DMs, and we are here for you, and we are just so grateful, and if you're feeling fancy and you like us, why don't you head on over to iTunes and give us a five-star review and write something, and if you don't like us, you don't have to do that (laughs) also I just want to
0: say I'm trying to catch up with my DMs there's so many but on my day off I'm going to be messaging y'all so thank you for your patience also don't leave us a bad review that was funny sorry they got me
1: (laughs) (laughs) we love you we love you so
0: much guys
1: Bye. bye Joey, I'm gonna I just need to get some water. One second. I'm sorry. I'm like I have something in my throat.
0: Editor, I have a joke for you while we wait. It goes like this. What did Cinderella say when she got to the ball? <laughs> 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 Thank you. Thank you very much. I have seen you ask busboys at a waiter. <laughs> uh, wait, bus boy. Sorry, wow. Good lord. What's this show called again? <laughs> Jeff, hi Jeff! Hi Jeff. Could you play a clip from Can't Hardly Wait of Seth Green when he says, why y'all gotta be wasting my flavor? Damn <laughs> <laughs>